Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Okay, so today we are continuing our conversation about historical romance. No, not historical romance. Sorry. <laughs> You got it in my head. <laughs> I did. I did. It's my fault. <laughs> so today we're continuing our conversation about historical fiction, and we thought it would be fun to just kind of talk through some of our favorites or ones we've read recently that we enjoyed, um, kind of in a general bookishy conversation. So yeah. I'm super excited to hear some of yours. I went back through today and looked through like the last couple years because I keep track of what I've read and out of the last like 400 books I've read only 15 have fallen into the category (laughs) even even by the broad definition that we gave in the last week's episode or the week before I was like apparently I don't read a lot of this I I think I have to be in a mood for it like because I I would say that contemporary romance and fantasy probably make up and science fiction probably make up a good deal of my reading in general too yeah, so the the number that I had were it wasn't on like it's not that I read tons and tons of historical mm-hmm. fiction I I don't and most of the stuff that I read would be historical romance or historical yes. <laughs> mystery like it's it's you know by Sherry Thomas um yes, Lady yes. Sherlock um, and then just kind of, I do love a good Regency, like, romance. So so those are probably a good portion of them. And you'll <laughs> hear some of them on, on like, my ones that I enjoy. But, but there's some that even, even though I haven't recently read them, and mm-hmm. I have a good few of the ones on my list, um, there's things like when I was, thinking about this I wanted to bring up like Beloved by Toni Morrison because I think that's one of those books that I read over 10 years ago and parts of the book still come back to me mm-hmm. um both both in in difficult ways and in really moving ones and yeah. that's that's the power of some of these books is that they can they can be completely um, kind of perspective opening, perspective breaking, yeah. and they can help you kind of make sense of legacy. They can help you make sense of, yeah, especially the horrors of the past, yeah. and and to then see in the characters these things play out and grappling with um especially that one does such a great job of showing the present within the book and how the past impacts it and it's Mm -hmm. still all of it is said in the past um from a when it was written perspective but there's so much going on within the character of setha in the present moment but she's still being pulled back into this past and Mm. it doesn't leave and the the like long 
ripple effects of all the things that are going on um, yeah. in those moments. And there, there's several actually iterations of the past too that keep coming up and in and traumas that keep being gone through. But there's also there's also moments of joy and moments of mm. love and loving yourself. And, and I love the, the line that actually um, has became a title of a book is you are your best thing. And mm. there's so much there. And just, it's a meaty weighty book that has so much to say. And it's, mm. it's one of those things that it's the, probably one of the hardest books of this type that I've ever read. Um, and it was so yeah. worth it. As I was kind of then sitting with that book, because I do think it's one of the best of its type. And even if you look at historical fiction, just in general, those lists will usually have something, something by Toni Morrison in the mm -hmm. top 10. And usually it's beloved. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it, it might be Suda, it might be the bluest eyes. Um, but I think just knowing that fiction includes books like that, and then it can also include things that are like the fantasy historicals. I, I have yeah, it makes me think of Kindred with um, Octavia right. Butler, which yeah is kind of historical, but also like has this sci-fi fantasy kind of yes. element to it. And and I I love I Kindred is another that stuck with me over time, yeah, and it's sure. just where moments just come back in my head like and I think it, it also was the time I first read it where it was very integral to growing up and even just figuring out what what fiction could be um because it blew my mind <laughs> like yeah. when I when I read it it has so much to say and it does so so um thoughtfully like yeah. just the way she grapples with the like family side of being related to these people and being connected with something so much violence that happened between yeah. even um people that you're related to and I again that's another dual timeline where you have the past and the current time frame and how they interact and change how we feel about it and yeah. and even just the fear of not knowing when the past is going to intrude like not mm. knowing when literally it interrupts her entire life yeah. uh, for large periods of time and and with her partner as well like the implications on both that relationship and what happens with the partner Yes. within the book I just it it taught me there's so much that could could be done with yeah. historical fiction there really you're kind of limited only by <laughs> by um your imagination and and I think I think there's truth as well to that of which is one of the reasons why it works so well mm -hmm. is that we could be walking down the street and all of a sudden a memory from the past hits us 
and mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we're not here like we're not really in the present anymore we're we're someplace 10 years ago or 15 i love that about kindred how it kind of sits with all of those sometimes difficult things um very difficult <laughs> with with how that past plays out um yeah and even some of the the knowledge that it's like is it better buried or is it better being aware of and having to grapple with it and and then Mm -hmm. being able to have the possibility of healing from it um I, I think it kind of opens up those questions yeah I think both of those are such great examples of historical fiction that really um forces us to grapple with the past and to look at the realities of the past through story and through not through nonfiction and things that actually literally happened, but through our um, experience or like through experiencing the story in someone's um, point of view. And I think that that's so powerful. And one of the big um, benefits of historical fiction or or gifts of historical fiction, maybe, but I think it can also, um, Historical fiction can also just set a mood, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, so I love that it can show us something and kind of have these really resonant, powerful yes. things to say about the past, like, like in both of those books. But I also think that one of the other gifts of historical fiction is this yes. setting of a mood, and which makes me think of like Mexican Gothic or even yes. Daisy Jones and the Six. Like these books are not... Um, they're not necessarily trying to say yes. anything about this past time period, but they wouldn't be as good or as powerful if they weren't set in that setting. Um, because it does just set this atmosphere and this mood. Absolutely. Well, and I, as I was thinking about that too, like one that came up, which it's also a fantasy historical, um, the night circus, like mm. it, yeah, those, all of these, these three, um, at least I'm, I'm making an assumption. I haven't read the uh, yet. Um, Daisy Jones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although I, you would like it. I want to. Yes. <laughs> but what's great about it kind of, it's not necessary that it has to be this specific like place and a specific time, like all those details just add to it it's yeah. not necessarily the things that happened it's kind of the the perspectives the people mm-hmm. and who they are so it kind of just yeah. sets it in and then goes and plays in that yeah. in that perspective and I I think it it gives those books a lot of freedom mm-hmm. to kind of take them in so many different ways so that they're not locked down within time like it feels yeah. like it's time is important to it in giving it the feel, the setting, the, the characters, mindsets, yeah. food, all of, all of the experiential type things, all the things that we can experience with our senses, but the timeline of it isn't as intrusive. Like you don't yes. necessarily have these situations that are like, Oh, it has to be on this date because we're going to be like playing into this. It feels sure. a little less locked down in its time frame yeah. and a little more free to kind of play in those areas. Well, it feels like the plot in those could work in a different time, but you wouldn't have the same tone or voice yes. or atmosphere. Yes. Absolutely. Well, and even dynamics potentially as well. Mm-hmm. 
it's interesting because uh, Sylvia Moreno Garcia also did this one called The Beautiful Ones, and mm. it's it's another very kind of odd, um, speculative, um, but it's it's more Regency area era, um, mm. but also with powers, and it's it's another one that so like. Yeah, like I'm here for it. Absolutely. And it's it's exactly that. Like it's it's just within the Regency era. Then I think historical romance is able to play with that too a lot. That it it's set within an era that we understand. Yeah. It sets it down and then it plays with, you know, this this is happening and someone can can um, you know is able to manipulate things and that's what it would look like and people would feel this way about those characters but it's so free in that um yeah. <laughs> which which i i love the interplay of fantasy and historical it's not something that there are tons of it seems incredibly yeah. niche but i'm like if, if you write one let me know because i'm like i'm gonna be there watching it and reading it um i'm i'm just really here for those <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. Where where do you think like um so books like Circe, I'm never sure yeah. if I'm saying that right. Um yeah, Circe, I think. Yeah, like kind of I like I would usually call them myths yeah. more than historical fiction, but they sort of are and they feel interesting in that they um and like some of those ones that are using history to set the yes. mood, like they kind of are doing that, but they also couldn't just take place somewhere else. Like these are um, characters kind of rooted in a particular time and place. And I feel like they're also not necessarily like this other category of exploring history to say something about the present or like, um, to kind of hit home on, um, on humanity's past or down holes or drops or whatever. Like they're, they're doing something different and I'm not sure like, yeah, how you would say something like that. I like, in some ways I see them as kind of, and I'm I'm not sure if anyone would agree with me, but kind of a retelling of a telling a story that's been told to us many, many times mm-hmm. in a very specific way. And I do think they're historical fiction. Like if we look mm-hmm. at some of the kind and of I feel like legacy, it. I mean, even just the like even, setting is usually like yeah. kind of Greek and old, and, you know, like yeah. the setting feels historical, even if the stories maybe didn't actually happen. Um, absolutely or or maybe it had it, it a little bit happened yeah, um yeah. like for instance like that we, we could then talk about the Iliad and the Odyssey and sure. how that's that's it's definitely historical fiction so I'm like if there is a thing that happens yeah. um that's historical I guess for me I would <laughs> consider it to fall in there because yeah yeah even the myths okay. are kind of part of the culture as well yeah um I, I do think some of these going back in and telling a different story from the myth perspective, like re retelling a myth or even like retelling like things about, I think there's one about Clytemnestra. I don't know if I'm, I'm saying her name right, but um, who basically uh, when the Spartans, went to go uh-huh. to Troy um her her daughter was murdered like mm-hmm. to she was the daughter I believe of Agamemnon and 
um, in order to like grace the, the sailing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she um, obviously <laughs> was very Distraught. upset. <laughs> yes. And ended up killing him when he came back. Um, uh-huh. and, and fair enough. Like <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those like things that always stuck with me from actually history class um because i I, uh, the history teacher um who taught it who you actually had as well mrs komar um she she like deliciously told this story like she like yeah bit into it and i love that a lot of these new tales have been taking like those stories and telling a new story or telling something else that might have happened and and for those I mean I think it still fits within historical but maybe it does sit a little more that it's almost a retelling as we would a fairy tale because there is those mythological elements there are those almost rewriting what happened and Mm. I guess we could also like sit with um like there's some retellings that said, okay, if this point of history changed, uh-huh. if if something didn't happen, um, what would our world look like? Sure. And maybe, I mean, I would say those things, those kind of speculative ones, to me, like they could fall into history as well because they reimagine what our history is and, mm. and they almost have our group history up until that point but it, it's interesting because the, obviously that asks a lot of questions about, <laughs> about where then is the line between you know yeah. myth and something that truly is taking on this kind of rewritten history rewritten perspective like wh- how do we kind of tease that out and that's what's so funny about historical fiction is I'm like really the Venn diagram there's probably a lot of things that have some historical element to it that is just we wouldn't necessarily classify it under that heading but Mm. it it truly has some lineage at least to it yeah yeah it's interesting yeah I tend to think of historical fiction as playing with actual events but I, I liked how you said like that about the myths, what you said about the myths um, influencing culture. And I I think that historical fiction really like in my head plays with culture, like whether Mm -hmm. it's these stories like Beloved or Kindred that are taking these actual things from the past and using those to say something about both the culture then and the culture now, um, or whether it's stories like, like Mexican Gothic or Daisy Jones and the Six or like any of these kind of ones Mm -hmm. that could be taken out of that and are using setting more for um, mood and atmosphere. I think they're still saying something about the culture and the, yes, what the mood of that time was. Um, And then even like these myths and things that are exploring farther back and almost more retellings. Like, I think they're saying something about both the culture that came up with these myths, as well as the, how they might influence or interact with their culture today. Yes. And I think even, with the the myths especially um i've loved to see how many different directions they've taken them in from a how we feel about characters now and even how how we feel about 
even potentially historical figures, Mm -hmm. the lenses that we take to them. And someone was saying in the course of the research that, you know, we, history is like, these great men doing these great things, but to to the victors go the ability to tell the story. And so our own history has been changed by how the story is told, who tells the story, how we even look back on stories and what we allow to continue through, like what we allow to continue to be taught and what, what we value enough to preserve and, and what we are uncomfortable with in the current time frame that may change what we tell ourselves about the past or like what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that really kind of then changes out the lens of, even as we're kind of telling different versions of these stories now that might be different than 20 years ago, we also have, have changed the stories, you know, ourselves over time, even what we're allowing to be said or how we interpret even something that's from another language. And so that kind of opened up doors of like mind blowing things where you're like oh the things that we're probably telling ourselves now maybe it's not as you know as different as probably the original was like there are so many different ways of looking at that which I just I thought was one fascinating and two it kind of opened up that these stories aren't definitive like the stories are collective and communal and they change based on the lens and they change based on the perspective and that's why we need like the stories too I was um, just gonna say like that's probably why this genre continues to thrive is because we need to keep telling stories of the same time or the same event in different ways um or the same historical figure when you mentioned historical figure, it made me think of like, um, like Shakespeare's histories and like Henry V and yeah. some of those, like, it's been too long since I've seen, seen that. I yeah. need to go watch some Shakespeare, I think. But- <laughs> I know, it's a little tangent. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and Henry V, like there's, there's so much meat in that play in you know St. I think it's St. Crispin's Day speech and, yes, and it is and it's funny to like think of and you're like basically this we have no idea like if this has anything to do with the historical figure themselves but like Shakespeare wrote it really well like yes (laughs) just some of the creative license of historical fiction absolutely absolutely and it's funny how I think it feels more comfortable to sit with that truth than to sit with like the discomfort of the fact that the history that we tell ourselves is it's probably you know equally as from a yeah distorted and (laughs) and filtered through those different lenses and it it does I think bring then that openness of of really like exploring it from all the different sides that are out there and and even finding unique stories I as I was kind of doing the research for this I I um listened to um a historical fiction writer uh Ruta uh 
Sipetes, who was talking about the fountains of silence that she wrote. And um, she was talking about just how like the little stories, one little story led to something else, which led to something else and new information that she was able to um, get that kind of opened up the world of the story. It takes place in Madrid. It's um, it's a time of dictatorship after World War II. Um, yeah. I think it's Franco. Um, and she she was just talking about how one truth led to another, which led to another. And then the story kind of bloomed within that. And, and I think that's cool how that can happen with historical fiction, that you, you do have little bits of this one person's story, or you see like an image and it makes you kind of think of something or, or Mm. even like, I, I know one of the ones that, um, we've actually read on the, book club um, was Sister Heart by Sally Morgan. And it was actually a personal story. So it was a story written by Sally Morgan for kind of, it it was based on generational trauma and Mm -hmm. the fact that her family had lived this and she didn't know it for, for at least for a while, it was kind of personal history that was that wasn't revealed, um, that couldn't be talked about. And it's beautiful, written in poetry. It's about Australia's, um, this generation that was stolen and were taken from their Aboriginal tribes and put into schools. And Mm -hmm. under the, you know, we're going to teach them English and all these things of basically, indoctrinating them into yeah. Australian society I mean for lack of a better word and it it is a a beautiful book but it's a gut punch and it yeah. feels like it has that power because it was that story that wasn't told that was you know hidden that was held back and that had so much power behind it because it was so passionate about telling the truth and making sure it was known and it's in the perspective of this little girl and I love that too that like Mm -hmm. it's sometimes we get this idea of historical fiction as well like being it has to be this way or this way or that way you know sometimes it's the big things that happen um, and sometimes it's these little moments that happen to one person mm. at, that make it so, you know, such a focused lens that you're like, this person here experienced this. Mm. And I I love that the scope can be broad. Yes. It can be tight. It can be, it, the power changes, I think, based on like what that scope can be and not that one mm. is great and the other is bad but I I love that where you place your lens has a lot of power within the story yeah those specific really um personal stories can be so powerful um and they give you a different sort of perspective on the whole I think I think you're right that either one can have a lot of power and whether you're looking at the broad scope of something that happened or the specific of something that happens we we need both um yeah but I think those specific stories can hit they hit like a more heartfelt level maybe um yes 
And sometimes the only way that you can find those or learn those is through research and a lot of research. And yeah. I like how you talked about the the one author, like kind of finding one story and then that led to another story. And then that, like, it's kind of like falling down that rabbit hole of, of um, what's out there and what, what you learn through, through researching. Yeah. So we are going to talk next week about research and dig into that a little bit. And we hope that you join us then. And really, we hope that you keep reading and writing yes. and putting your work out into the world.